Welcome to the Encounter Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's just so good to see you all out today and just some new faces and some old faces. And I'm telling you, I'm just really excited about what God is doing at Encounter Church, where he's taking us at a church, as a church. Well, a couple weeks ago, my brother Terrence delivered an awesome word, starting out our Philippian series. And he explained the background of what was going on. And he went to Acts, the 16th chapter, where Paul had a dream And in this dream, a man was asking for help in Macedonia. And then Paul decided that it was God telling him to go there with Silas and preach the gospel. Well, there they had met a woman. Her name was Lydia. And Lydia was a seller of fine goods. And Lydia was a businesswoman who helped with the ministry. And also they baptized and got saved. And I would imagine that they were on their way and the crowd kept increasing every day because God was using Paul in silence. But every day there was this lady annoying them. This lady behind them, she didn't really have, she didn't have the spirit of God. God, the scripture says that she was a slave woman. And she was behind them saying, these are servants of God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. I would imagine her saying it in an annoying way. These are servants of God. These are servants of God. I would imagine that would be annoying for me. Who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And I, I, I can imagine Paul getting annoyed. And I don't know how many days she can, that, that it was. But finally Paul just said, you know what, I can't take it anymore. So he turned around and rebuked the lady and cast the devil out of her. And I often looked at this scripture and I've all said, well, they, she was telling the truth actually. But the scripture said that the gentlemen got upset with her. They were upset with her because, uh, were upset at Paul because basically she was telling people's fortunes. And when they discovered that she could not no longer tell people's fortunes anymore, they got Paul and Silas, took them out in the, in the yard and began to beat them, the scripture says. And then they put them in stocks. They mocked them in front of everyone. Then in Acts chapter 6, verse 25, it says, but at midnight. Oh, my God. It's something about midnight, isn't it? You know, when I was pregnant with my son, and it felt like a midnight for me when I had to push at 10 centimeters. I thought I was going to die. I'm going to be praying for you, though. You're going to be all right. You're going to make it. You're going to make it, Tyshell. You're going to make it. But I'm telling you, I thought I was going to die. I admit that it was my midnight. But I began to push, and I actually had to push for three and a half hours because I was supposed to have a cesarean, but they didn't figure that out till it was too late. But anyway, praise God. But I look at that at midnight, the scripture says, at the darkest hour, at midnight. Some of you may be in that place right now where you are feeling like it's your midnight. But she started to sing. They started to sing praises. It's something when you're going through something to begin to sing praises to God. But they didn't only sing, they prayed. They prayed and they sang praises. And then the scripture says, at midnight, there was an earthquake. It was about midnight. There was an earthquake that happened and a suddenly happened. Somebody say, I need that suddenly. So a suddenly happened in their lives because the scripture says that that it was a big earthquake, and then the chains and everything got broken off of them. And then everybody in the whole prison got free. And I love what my brother said because he said at this moment, at this moment, the guard, after he woke up because he was asleep, seeing all that everybody, the, the, all the doors were open, grabbed the knife to kill himself because he knew he was going to get killed anyway because all the prisoners escaped. And then Paul yelled out. He yelled out. He said, no, don't harm yourself. We're all here. Then my brother did an awesome job because he said, and I just, I just, was, I just was like, come on, that's my brother right there. That's my Terrence right there. Because he said, he, said that, he said that at the moment, he said, we're all here. He says, will you stay in a situation that may seem to be, be bad for you in order for somebody else to be set free and delivered? I was like, come on now, now you preaching, you preaching. 
Because there are some situations that God will have us stay in in order for somebody else to be free, in order for somebody else to be delivered. Then my husband, Pastor Stephen, he did an awesome job last week, emphasized the importance of remembering God's faithfulness in all seasons of our lives. You know, the enemy will try to make us forget about what God did for us. He will make us focus on the negative. But he said, I want you to remember God's faithfulness in all seasons of your lives. Paul made mention that every time he remembered the church, the people of Philippi, he gave thanks for them, prayed for them with joy. Then he talked about being connected in partnership of the gospel. That all of these people, they were, they were uh, uh, you know, uh, spreading the gospel with Paul. Paul reminded them to be confident in this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in us is faithful to complete it. Man, I love that scripture. Thank God he's not finished with me yet. Thank God he's not finished with you yet. Come on, he's just starting the work. Come on. We serve a God that's a finisher. Paul was longing for them and not a head thing, but it was a heart thing, he said. So we're going to get into the word. Everybody stand on your feet and let's read the scripture that I'm preaching about today. It's going to be 1 Philippians 9 through 11 and read. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is the best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness and comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. In our passage this morning, the Apostle Paul is praying for the church to have another level of love and knowledge and in depth, meaning what we know and the way that we feel. And insight, meaning revelation. He says that your love may abound means to exist in large portions, in large numbers. That your love may abound more and more. This speaks of growth. This speaks of maturity. Somebody say maturity. In both knowledge and insight. Mean depth. I want you to have depth, meaning I don't want you to be shallow. So we need to avoid, as Christians, two extremes in order to grow to maturity. Because this is what this scripture is about. It's about growing to maturity. That means I can't even, my, my husband always says, you can't stay in the third grade for the rest of your life. It's time to grow. It's time to mature. So it's these yeah, go to graduation. You didn't go to college if you can. Come on. We got to grow. So on the one hand are those who are prone to live their life in subjective feelings, devoid of doctrine. I just want to live in the presence and the glory of God. Like me, I'm a soaker. I mean, I could just stay there and just worship, lay on the floor and just cry and laugh. I mean, that's me. I just love soaking in the presence, in the presence of God. So that's on one hand. Those who are prone to live their life with feelings. That I understand because I am a soaker and I love being in the presence of God. But there's nothing wrong with that. Loving to be in the presence of God. But you remember that there's always balance. There's balance. So the reason that God wants, God wants to pour out on you, you got to understand the reason. The reason why God lets us have services like this and the Spirit of God moves like this is because he wants to fill us up. He wants to fill us with his joy. He wants to fill us with his presence. But he doesn't want us to keep that presence to ourselves. He wants us to be able to pour out to somebody else. He wants, oh, my God, uh, let me just, the presence of God 
It's so our hearts will become more pliable. That's why we worship for so long. Well, why y'all worshiping so long at this church? It's because it's a lot of hard hearts here. Oh, my God. God wants our hearts to be pliable. He wants the seed of his spirit to be able to be planted and bring forth, go down with the roots and bring forth. Yeah, somebody's listening. Thank you, Jesus. He wants us to be fruit bearers. Amen. So the problem is, if you and I do only seek to feel good, and we only seek to come to church and pray and stand in the presence of God, oh, man, service was good today. Oh, the presence of God was just there today, and that's all we seek. That's not a good thing. We only seek that Holy Ghost high. But avoid learning the word and sound doctrine when the test comes, we will fail. Oh, I'm meddling. I'm meddling, I'm meddling, I'm meddling. When the test comes, we will fail. So on the one extreme, people can think that doctrine is the, the, the divisive, that what we need is life. But what they're really saying is what we need is that feeling that comes over us when we're in the presence of God and we feel the spirit of God. But to be in the mindset that we don't need to emphasize truth, but rather love. Uh, I have heard it said, Jesus didn't say to the world, uh, the world will know them by, their, by his discipleship, or by, but by their doctrine, but by their love. Yes, he did say that. But is love supposed to be blind? Is, am I supposed to not tell you the truth as your pastor, Pastor Steve, not tell you the truth because we love you? I remember as a girl in my class years ago, I, I was teaching at this continuation school, and uh, she was messing up. I mean, she was out there. She was doing drugs. She was doing all this, and I was begging her. One time, I just started crying. I, got, I was like, well, you know what? Don't tell me what to do. If you love me, don't tell me nothing. I said, you know, it's because I love you that I'm telling you something. If I see you and I, and I say I love you and you walking towards the roof of the house or the building and I just don't, I just be like, oh, I love you. Go ahead and just go on. And... That's not love. I'm like, stop. I love you. God has a destiny. God has a purpose for your life. Don't, don't, don't end it right there. So if you see me, I'm a little loud and I'm screaming at you. It's because I love you. I don't want you to get killed. I don't want you to die. I don't want you to miss your destiny in God. I don't want you to miss your purpose in God. Come on, somebody. Come on. So we have to understand this. But to go after unity with anyone who names the name of Christ, no matter how the doctrine they teach that doesn't line up with the word of God, that doesn't line up with the word of God. Oh, what they, you know, they mentioned the name of Christ. Yeah, Pastor Worship, but you know, they believe in Buddha. They believe in Elijah Muhammad. They believe that all roads lead to heaven. That ain't God. That's not what the Bible says. Accepting all professing Christians, no matter how they live or how far their belief system differs from the word of God or the character of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that a tree is known by its fruit. A tree, it's known by the fruit that it bears. So if somebody says to you, you know what, I just love Jesus, but you see them in sin, and they doing all of this stuff that the Bible calls sin. Do I need to go there today? I can. And then you saying, you know what, you know what, but, I, but you know, I'm just hearing right there, that's my friend. But you know they cheating on their wife. You know they up with watching pornography. You know that they sexing. You know that they doing all this. Well, Pastor Porsche, you know we had a good service. Why do you have to go here? Because the Bible says. The Bible says this. So in this world, in, in the word I gave on New Year's, on New Year's Eve, remember I said, I said God is calling us in 2022 to balance. You can't just be one-sided. That's how the scale look. Scale look like this. No, God wants the scale to look like this. He said, I want you to talk to talk. I want you to walk to walk. The walk of this word right here. Come on, somebody. 
The Bible also gives us balance between our head and our heart, between what we think and the way that we feel. So biblical Christianity means loving God and others fervently from the heart, but also such love is in line with the truth as revealed in the Word of God. So I look at this Bible as my ruler, as my standard. This is it. This is what God is saying. He said, I want you to get, I want you to love. I want you to love fervently. I want you to love with all your heart and your soul and your mind. But you, you got to speak the truth too. This is my doctrine. This is what I'm saying. Is it going to line up with the word of God? And you wonder, man, I just wish my life would go better. Try and give it to you. Try and help you out because I love you. Because I love you. So one writer said, love for God or others that is not based on truth is just diluted emotionalism. But truth devoid of love leads to arrogance. My sister will tell you this. My sister Cleela. Sometimes we have people come in there. Oh, man. God bless them. Bless their hearts. But they know more than everybody. Took some, she took some people out on the street to witness, to get people saved. Well, this is not the way that we do it. We have a better way to do this. But can you humble yourself for a minute? Can you just say, you know what? Because the Bible says the calling and the gifts will make room for you. That's what it says. So can you humble yourself? I said, they ain't going to be here long, sis, because they know too much. And well, you know, pastors, y'all need to be more in the Greek and the Hebrew and the this and the that. Come on, you can't even understand English. Come on. I'm trying to help you out. Come on. God, sometimes people walk in the door and God said, that person is a teacher. That person has this. That person has this to offer. Oh, my God. And I'll look and I'll be like, oh, that's great. God just spoke to me. You know, he told me who you were. Woo, woo. This is going to be a great connection. We're going somewhere together. I'll be all excited. Until. Jesus. I better get off of that because I could be on that a long time. So number 10, verse 10, it says, so that you may be able to discern what is best. I want you to increase in knowledge. I want you to increase in love. I want you to increase in my word so that you may be able to discern what is best. I learned that I may not want to say something in the heat of the moment. Okay, so let me give you an example. Your feelings and your emotions are going crazy. I just, just wait one second. Oh, just wait till they finish. Oh. Nope, that ain't time to talk. It's not, that's not wisdom. You see, because he said, I want you to increase in love, and I want you to increase in wisdom. I want you to increase in knowledge. I want you to increase. I want you to increase. And so I want you to discern what is best. So it's not best for me to talk right there when I'm upset and I'm angry and I'm, you know, y'all get it. Especially me. Especially me. My brother knows. Especially me. I need to be quiet. God, what are you saying? Do you want me to say something? Or do you want me to be quiet? Do you want me to say something or do you want me to be quiet, God? God said nine times out of ten, be quiet. <laughs> if you really want to say something, that ain't God. Let me just help you out. I'm giving you the discernment. But this is what he said. He said, I want you to be filled with the fruit of righteousness. What does that mean? See, somebody told me years ago, and I told this story here before, but somebody told me years ago, they said, you know what? You know what, Pastor Portia, I was in this meeting, and this man laid hands on my head, and I got all through the spirit. I said, you may have gotten the Holy Spirit, but you didn't get all the fruit of the spirit. Because the fruit of the spirit can only be grown. 
God got to put you in situations so that you can, yo, you, you know what I'm talking about. God got to put you in situations. He has to, so that you can suffer long to have the fruit of long suffering. God got to put you in situations so that, that you need patience. So you're going to have to be, he going to give somebody to you to make you learn patience in order for you to grow. Come on, God got, in order for, okay, y'all. Listen, righteousness, somebody say righteousness. See, see, my right, my rightness is as filthy rags in the eyes of God. I may think, oh, I know, I know. <laughs> and God said, Portia, you don't know that. You know one thing my dad taught us? He said, I'm going to tell you something, baby. Come here, let me, let me help you out. I said, okay, daddy, what you got for me? He said, whatever you be, don't be a cabbage head. I said, a cabbage head? You know, you know, Sister Valley, how daddy used to talk. He said, whatever you be, don't be a cabbage head. Because you can't get nothing in and you can't get nothing out. He said, always be learning. Always be seeing that you might not have the whole picture of things. You might mess up. And I'm learning that more and more. Man, I thought it was this way and it's really that way. But I want you to be filled with righteousness, with the fruit of righteousness. That means I want you to take off your right to be right, and I want you to put on my rightness. Take off your righteousness and put on my righteousness. Oh, God, I need your righteousness. Come on, it's about you. So the question we need to ask ourselves today is, am I growing, that the Apostle Paul was talking about, am I growing in love, am I growing in maturity? Am I growing in maturity? What does it mean? What does it mean to grow as Christians in maturity? What are the marks for us as believers that we are growing and that we are maturing as Christians? Number one. Number one, the first slide. Next slide. The mark of a thankful heart. You ever be around somebody and they just got an uh, attitude a gratitude? I thank my God every time I remember you. He was so thankful. You know, I just love my brother and my sister. They'll tell me the truth. No, I'm, I'm saying this because do you want people just to be, that never to tell you the truth? Do you want pastors that never want you to just never tell you the truth? Do you want people around you that's not thankful? <sighs> I never forget one time my husband and I, we took our goddaughter and all of these kids out and, uh, and all these kids were like, I want this, give me this. They just little kids. I want this, give me this. I want this toy. I want that toy. Give me that. But my goddaughter was smart. And she said, uncle and auntie, don't give me nothing. Just being with you guys is <laughs> what I just want to be. Just, I'm just so thankful just, just to be. Who got all the stuff? Y'all know. She may have been playing this, but we gave it to her. <laughs> yes, we did. So Paul is thinking of others and not himself. That's that next slide. He's thinking of attitude for a gratitude. It says, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy. You know, it would be great. If you think I'm messing up to pray for me, I mean, I would appreciate it because I might be. So I need you to pray for me. I, I'm praying for you every time, every time during the day, your, your, your faces are coming up before me and Pastor Stephen. We might even don't know what to pray. We start speaking in our heavenly language. I just be like, yeah, this one, God. Pat, Pastor asked, whatever they're going through, God, pray for them. That's what the apostle Paul, I always pray with joy. Okay. I always pray with joy because your partnership in the gospel from the first day. You guys understand that God is bringing us into partnership together. That we are building the kingdom of God. That we're spreading the gospel together. That we are a part of the same team. We're not in competition Okay, I'm not going to say it, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you. Partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who has begun a good work is going to complete it. By the way, if you think of ourselves, if we think of ourselves, we will not have true joy. Oh, I can stay on that for a minute. I might as well. I want you to pay really close attention to what I'm about to say. Because I noticed this, and I want you to see it. And then I'm talking about maturity. I'm talking about, you know, us growing in God. But what I discovered is, is that people that focus on themselves go crazy. I'm just saying, just go, go to the insaneous island right now. It's all about me. It's all about my feelings. I love my mother, Marion. She's just the one who plays sometime here. She just go, it ain't about you. <laughs> She'll tell me that in a minute. I'll be like, you right? What, what made you think this was about you? God saved you for his purposes. Come on, he brought you out of darkness into the marvelous light for his purpose. You have a destiny on your life. You are here to fulfill his purpose. But some people, all they can do is think about themselves, no matter what you do for them. It don't matter if you gave them a million dollars. You could have gave me a million ten. It don't matter. It's like, can you get out of that? God, I got to get out of my self-absorption. Because the whole purpose of the church, the church, the ecclesia of God, means that God brought you out of individualism where I alone matter into a corporate. Okay. I'm hurrying up. because Y'all know me, I can preach the everlasting gospel. But I want you... Not to think about yourselves. It's okay, I'm not saying, Pastor Portia, not to see, see how it already is? Extreme. See how it is? <sighs> she don't want me to think of myself. I ain't going to get up, I ain't going to bathe. I ain't going to, come on. That's not what I'm saying. Just stop being so consumed. So consumed with you and start being consumed with him. Start being consumed with him. These memories brought joy to Paul because it was through this suffering, even in the jail, that Paul realized that his suffering was for a purpose. Paul realized that his suffering brought somebody to God, set some people free in their minds and their wills and their emotion. The the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared to the glory that we will receive. Come on, somebody. When he thought of them, his heart swelled up with thanksgiving. Paul was a thankful man. You can see it in Romans 1 and 8 and 9, Romans 6, 17, 1 Corinthians 1 and 4. Literal translation would be, all my remembrance of you causes me to thank God. Every time, so, you know what, let me just, see, I wasn't going to go here, but Lord, God want me to go. You know, it's something about being thankful with your spouse and your husband and your kids. You know, when we were youth pastors, we would ask the kids, you know, they would be going through a lot with youth pastors for 17 years, me and my husband, Pastor Stephen. And so we would ask the kids, you know what, um, you know, why are things going? And they would be like, you know what, it's really hard for me, Pastor Portia, Pastor Steve. I'm like, really, what's going on? They would be like, well, my parents, they only look at what I don't do. They had spent an hour on what I didn't do and two seconds on what I did. Talking about being thankful. I'm just throwing that out for free. You know, it wasn't in my notes. But I just wanted to tell you, it started to me to change it. Do you know when your kids do something? Thank you so much, baby. You bought your mom a glass of water. Oh, thank you. You so sweet. You so thoughtful. Look at you. You thought of that on your own. I'm so proud of you. But that's what they need. They need encouragement. They need encouragement. Come on. So Paul was a thankful man. Thankfulness is an attitude of gratitude. Let me just read this real quick. Psalms 116.17 about thankfulness. It's a spiritual sacrifice. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 says it's our duty. Ephesians 1.16 says it's unceasing. Philippians 1, 
1.3 says it's spontaneous. Ephesians 5.20, in Christ's name. And 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says it's God's will. And Revelation chapter 7, verse 12, it's heaven's theme. Somebody say being thankful. Come on, the next slide. The mark of prayer. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. With joy. The mark of prayer. There were constantly on his mind and he was constantly praying what are we thinking about what is what are we beholding in our minds what are we allowing to play in our minds are we casting down thoughts imaginations every high thing that would exalt itself above the knowledge of God in Christ Jesus are we casting it down I'm talking about maturing in God instead of letting those things play in your mind start praying for other people Start praying, God, give me a list of people I can call and encourage. Give me a list of people I can just pray for today. God, I thank you. Get your mind off yourself. Because you know when you start taking care of God's business, he's going to start taking care of yours. Oh, my God. I'm just trying to help you out. There were constantly on his mind. The idea is to pray always without ceasing. The praise for you all, he said. For you all. God, I don't got time. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, Ephesians 1 and 6, Romans 1, 9. Pray without ceasing. Come on, because I'm maturing and I'm praying. I got my mind off myself. Come on, I got my mind on my brothers and my sisters. Do you know is somebody going through something worse than you going through? There are times throughout the day when certain people just come to my mind, y'all. I just, I just start praying. I just start speaking in my heavenly language. Sometimes I'll get the phone and I'll have the chance to call them. When people come to your mind, pray for them. The next slide. The mark of joy. This is good. In all my prayer for all of you, I always pray with joy. Joy does not depend on an outward circumstances, but real joy depends upon the inward condition of an individual. Come on, that's that makarios joy. Makarios. Come on. Makarios is, in, in the Greek, is the word, it's the one in whom joy and grace continually flows out of. See, Paul's situation, he was not moved by his situation. He was not moved because, because he knew that he was in the will of God. So the joy, and that joy that you have, the world did, we say, this joy that I have. The world didn't give it to me. This joy that I have. The world didn't give it to me. This joy that I have. Oh, the world didn't give it to me. And you know the world didn't give it. The world can't take it away. And it's true. But you can if you give it away if you want to. Real joy in the life of the believer. The keynote to this epistle, Paul is a happy prisoner. Every time he thinks of Philippi, he is just happy because of the way the people are there are. Come on, Paul and Silas, they sang praises to God. Say, and in their mid, I want you to go back to there. In their midnight season, joy appears 19 times. Then Jesus Christ appears 40 times. So therefore, he is the center of this epistle. He is the source of the joy. Jesus, you're the center of my joy. All that's good and perfect comes from you. You're the source of my contentment. The hope for all I do. Jesus, you're the center of my joy. The emphasis should be put on him rather than upon the joy. The philosophy of Christian living has to do with him. The pattern of Christian living has to do with him. The price of Christian living has to do with him. The power has to do with him. Actually, it's a personal relationship with him, with Christ that brings us joy in the midst of crazy things happening, in the midst of crazy circumstances. As I said earlier, joy does not depend on outward circumstances, 
but real joy depends upon the inward condition of the individual. Sometimes we can get in this thing where this person did this to me and that person did that to me. I know, I know you're like a little kid. Portia, you got to grow up. God would show me every little thing would get on my nerve. Every little thing, they hurt me. They did this. They did that. And God was not trying. God was trying to grow you up. Come on. Like a little kid. I, my, my mother, Mary, my Marion, took, told me this way. She said, if my little grandson, a baby, hit me with his truck, his little car truck, I can't just haul off and knock him in the head. He a baby. He a baby. That person is in their process. God, I wish I had time to talk to you now. That person is in their process. That person is going through something. You can't be mad at where people are in their process because you're in your process. So it's the depth of insurance and confidence that ignites and cheerful rejoicing in our hearts. It is cheerful heart that leads to cheerful and rejoicing behavior as Paul and Silas was in prison. The joy of the Lord is the name, is not the same as the joy of the world. People in the world, they don't have the joy we have. The world didn't give it to them. See, this is what the world didn't give it to me, so the world can't take away my joy. Because my joy is not based upon my circumstances. I'm not saying that there are not days when I am sad, but I live with a contentment that God's got it. I live with a contentment, with a peace in my heart and my mind that he is going to bring me through it. The joy of the Lord is more than a temporary pleasure. Pleasure. It's an eternal reality. Thank you, Pastor Steve. John chapter 4, verse 7 through 14. Jesus said, whoever drinks of this water. <sighs> Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of this water of life, speaking of himself, will never thirst again. That means that you won't have to go out and do drugs again because you're really partaking and tasting of him. Be that means that you don't have to go out and drink again because you're really partaking and thinking of him. And your mind is not on the things of this world any longer, but it's on the things above. You start to realize that you have a destiny and you have a purpose and you have something to contribute in this world. And God starts to, rec you start to recognize that if I can just get in him, come on, if I can abide in him and his word abide in me, come on, then there's something starts to change you on the inside. Oh, my God. Something on the inside is working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. It's Jesus on the inside. He's working on the outside. If God can change me, he can change anybody. If God can change my life, he can change anybody. It's Jesus on the inside. It's working on the outside. Come on, next slide. Side of fellowship. I'm not going to read it, verse 5. But it's about being connected with other people. You can put it up there. It's a sign of maturity because we have come to the understanding that someone else has something that we need. This is what I want you to get so much. When Paul was talking about more and more, and, and he's talking about increasing the knowledge and increasing the depth, increasing what we know, come on, in the word. Understanding that someone has something that I need. You understand? That I don't have it all. That I am just one piece of the puzzle. But you are another piece of the puzzle. And you are another piece. And you another piece. And you are another piece of the puzzle. And all of a sudden, I started to see the big picture. I, I remember when Gingy and Franklin first came to this church. I remember my son, they did a workshop, and my son, you got to, if you need a business, I'm just telling you right now, if you have a business, you need to talk to Ginger and Franklin because they will get your show on the road. I'm telling you right now. Come on. They have it. They have it. My son said to me, why in the world are we just now hearing this? Mama, why, what was we missing all these years? But they started doing stuff to bring us together, to cause us to see the big picture. Oh, my God. And I said, you know, and that's what they do. 
That's what they do. They help businesses. That's their business. But I want you to get it this today that there's, it's about partnership. It's about I don't have it all, and I know I don't have it all. Come on. If you want to preach better than me, preach better than me. If you want to sing better than me, sing better than me. If you want to do whatever, sing, do it, do it. I'm going to be like, yes, go, come on, go, go, go. My problem is not insecurity. I understand, I understand that you and I have a destiny together. I understand that I can't make it without you. I need you to see that you can't make it without me. I need you to see it. If you hit the home run, I'm part of the team. Come on. I'm going to be throwing ice on your head. Come on. Jesus, I need you to see it. It's a mark of fellowshipping with another. That's what it says in verse 5. Look at the church. They're like, like this, it's just, it's just going to happen. It's going to happen. One day people are going to come in here, and they're going to say, look at all them people fellowshipping with another. Look at all them people. It's black people. It's white people. Come on, it's Asian people. It's people from every nation in the world at Encounter Church. Come on. They, they, they know what it means to partner up with one another. They know what it means to fellowship with one another. They know what it means to annihilate racism. They know what it means. Come on. These are the people that God has told me. That's you and I. God, don't look for another generation. Don't look for another church. Here we are, God. We're willing to die to ourselves. We're willing to get our eyes off of ourselves. We're willing to get our eyes off of our own agendas. Come on. We're willing to do it, God. It's not about me. It's about us completing the work of God together and tearing down the kingdom of darkness. Tearing down separation. Tearing down division. Come on, tearing it down. But it don't happen all overnight. It's a process because fruit is grown. So I need you to get on his righteousness. I need you to get on my fruit, says the Lord. I need you to put on my rightness. I need you to understand that this is bigger than you. This is about my vision now. That I called you out of individualism and to a new vision so that you could tear down the walls. Tear down. And it's, we got to do it intentionally. We got to do it on purpose. We got to do it understanding that that's what God has called us together for. Being connected with people. Come on, being connected. Look at my church. That's my church, says the Lord. That's my church that's tearing down individual. That's my church that's getting their eyes off themselves. That's my church. Oh, I, I can't take it right now. Come on, Jesus, help me. The mark of confidence and God's salvation. The next slide. The mark of confidence in God's salvation. You can read that on your own. In verse 6, being confident of this, that he who has begun a good work is faithful to complete it. Come on. Slide 8. The mark of partnership. Paul did not stand alone in the world. Maybe I should just read this and I just stop preaching that way. I can hurry up. Paul belonged to a great family, a family of believers. Who, con who constituted the family of God, of which you and I belong to. Do not ever think that you are the only one going through something. Do not ever think that you are the only one that's going through hard times. Come on, somebody know what I'm talking about. The enemy, what he wants you to do is he wants to isolate you. He wants to get you by yourself. He wants you to stay home from church. He don't want you to be in the worship like we had today where your faith is renewed and you start singing and you break through. Come on, he wants to isolate you because he's the lion. And then he wants to go around the lamb and tear you up by yourself. Come on. So if you hear that voice, just stay home. Don't even do nothing. Just get away from them people. Nobody understand. Nobody called you. Franklin, you know, I, I, I have been given a word of knowledge every now and then, but I don't know everything. God don't speak to me about every little thing about your life. Sometimes he tell me something, right? But if you, the Bible said, let your request be made known. Anyway, I just try to throw that in there. So, so they were living for God and sharing Christ with the lost and the needful world in which we need to do so. In Romans chapter 10, 14 through 15. So my husband mentioned last 
Last time he preached, he talked about Pastor Michael Moore, how Paul, when he's writing, he said, there's no I without you. If you read Philippians, you will see every time he talks about I, he talked about you too. We are part of the same vision. We are part of the same team. We have the same goal. Come on, to snatch people out of the, out the kingdom of darkness and bring them to the kingdom of light. So no matter how wonderful you and I are, we are not what we could be without each other. Man, I need you. I need you to survive. <sighs> Slide nine. The mark of growing and discerning love. I'm almost finished. The mark of growing and discerning love. Can you for a second, Franklin, can you come to the piano and just start playing? The mark of the growing and discerning love in verse 9. Hmm. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth, not shallowness, and insight of who I am, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless. You may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, to say he is my God, to say you have a personal relationship with him. Come on, that's what it's always about. That's what got Paul through that. Come on, I need you to grow a little bit more. I need you to mature a little bit more. I need you to, I need you to expand a little bit more. I got some more for you. I got some more for you. I got something so the world will know who I am. Come on. Is he your God today? I'm talking about Jesus. Go ahead and just play, Franklin. Is he your God today? Is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? He can be today. He can be your Lord. He can be your Savior. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Jesus said in John chapter 6, 37, All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. If you come to Jesus... He welcomes you with open arms. I don't care what you've done. He welcomes you. My, my son, my daughter. Revelation 22, 17 says, And the spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. And let him who thirsts, Come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. John chapter 4, 7 through 14. Are you thirsty? Come and drink from the well of living water. Let it increase. God wants to fill you more and more with his righteousness. He wants to fill you more and more with his fruit. He wants you to be satisfied with him. And can I just tell you that our Jesus is more than enough? He is the bread of life. He is the water when you're thirsty. Come on. So I want you just to bow your heads with me for a minute. If you are here in this place today and you say, I felt like you were talking to me. You say, first of all, I don't even know Jesus, but I want to know him. I want to know Jesus. I want to accept him into my life. I want him to be the one that satisfies my soul. I want Jesus in my life. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I want to see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Come on. The next part of this altar call is, so you know what, Pastor Portia, I've been immature. I need to grow up a little bit more. I need to just say, God, show me myself. I need to change the way that I think. I need to get more into the word of God. If that's you, raise your hand. Thank you for all these hands in this place. Because God is growing us in 2022. He's balancing us in 2022. And I'm excited about it. I'm excited about what God is doing. So first of all, I want you to say this prayer with me with everybody that, that raised their hand for salvation. Say, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I believe that you died for my sins and you rose again 
on the third day. I believe that you were born of a virgin. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart. Help me to live for you. I can't do it by myself, Jesus. I've tried and I failed. But God, today, I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I thank you for saving me. I thank you for writing my name in the book of life. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if you just said that prayer, the scripture says that your sins are forgiven and that your name is written in the book of life. That means if you die today, come on, that you will wake up in heaven. That's how good God is. That's how good he is. Now, for that second request, God is growing me up. He wants me to mature in love. He wants me to mature more and more. He wants me to put on his righteousness. I want you to stand up on your feet, and let's just begin to pray. Father, I thank you right now, God, for all of these that are standing, for those, Lord God, Father, that says, Lord, I, I want to mature more in you. I can't do it without you, Jesus. Father, I realize that you have, you have called me to the kingdom for such a time as this. I realize, God, that you are doing a work in me. You're changing me, God. You're changing the, my, my, my responses. You're changing the way that I feel. God, you want my feelings to line up with your word. Father, that this now is a measuring stick. God, I, I, I choose, I choose to let my life be measured by your word. I choose to let my life be measured by your word. Father, I choose, Lord God, you. I choose the way you think instead of the way that I think. Father, I thank you right now for the way that you think is better than the way I think. That's why your word says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. So, Father, I ask you, Lord, God, I put my word on my head, God. God, let this word become a part of my mind, the way you think, what you want, what you say, God. Let God lead me and guide me, and I'll follow you. I thank you, Lord. I forgive myself, God, for my immaturity. I forgive myself, God, because you have forgiven me. And I thank you, Lord. I realize I'm a part of a team. Come on, say amen. Well, glory. Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church Sermon of the Week. If you would like to learn more about us, please visit EncounterJesus.us or search for Encounter Church San Leandro in your app store.